When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Relay Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Tonight, John DeGorio. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to do this every single day, talking about movies behind a virtual water cooler or TV shows. And I hope that you guys enjoy the show. And for today's po- podcast topics, it's going to be about James Bond, No Time to Die. The trailer got released today. I'm going to be talking about that. Then I'm going to be talking about my favorite James Bond movies and villains and even my favorite actors that play James Bond. Then I'm going to be dropping down Tim Allen. He's mad because he can't say the N-word on The View. Then I'm going to be talking about Stephen King's From a Buick 8 adaptation. And it's actually going to be produced by Thomas Jane's production company, which is actually pretty cool. Then I'm going to be talking about Jordan Foggett. I think that's how you say his last name. I don't know. But if I'm butchering it, I'm sorry. I don't mean to butcher it. But he's finished off the draft from Metal Gear Solid. And he's going to actually do a reading with one of the actors that's actually interested in playing Snake. So, let's go ahead and talk about Bond. James Bond. No time to die. So, I've been excited about another James Bond movie. Especially since Daniel Craig is coming back. Even though you can actually tell Inspector he was really tired of the character. But I'm glad that he wants to play that role one more time. And... He wants to redeem himself also, too, because of how bad he did Inspector. You can even tell the guy was worn down from that character, and he just got tired of doing this character over and over again. But what I have to say is this. It seems like Daniel Craig is back as Bond. You can actually feel that he's energized into this character after a long period of time that he's actually taken a, taken a break from the character, because I actually enjoyed him as in Logan Lucky. If you haven't seen that, that's such an underrated movie. And it doesn't get a lot of praise. And I really, that's like pretty much the only Shading Tatum movie that I really like. So check that out if you haven't seen it. But it seems like Daniel Craig has actually invested himself back into the character again. And we actually have that James Bond flavor to it. And we actually have Q back again. It's great seeing Q again. But let me just say this. This trailer has a golden eye kind of feel to it. Whenever James Bond is on, jumping off the bridge and he's he has the rope attached to him and he's drop, jumping off of that bridge. I automatically think of the dam that uh, Pierce Brosnan actually jumped down on and went into the bathroom and did the with the silencer and killed that one guard on the toilet. That reminded me so much of GoldenEye. It had that little bit of GoldenEye flavor to it, which is something I like. It shows a little bit of a silly side to Bond that we haven't really gotten to see before because it was always serious, especially in Casino Royale, Skyfall, and a couple of the other movies. But this has that little bit of cheesiness to it where you actually have the car now that has the gadgets in it, which is something that I really am excited about to actually see that going on. This whole entire movie feels like a James Bond movie. It makes me appreciate the fact that they're doing this kind of flavor for the last movie. And then not only that, it's not a James Bond movie unless you actually put James Bond in the snow, escaping from villains in a ski 
ski mobile and everything because that is James Bond. I really like the fact that they put him back in the snow again. It feels like GoldenEye. I'm not even going to say it's GoldenEye 1.2 or 2.0 because it's all, it's all a separate thing. Rami Malek actually looks good as the villain. I actually had goosebumps from the introduction of Rami Malek. I really can't wait to see what else he's going to actually add into those layers because I, Rami Malek is one of those actors that will really shine on a lot with James Bond, especially what he did with Bohemian Rhapsody and everything. I really enjoyed his performance as Freddie Mercury. And, you know, I feel like he's going to be one of those stars that's just going to keep on growing as he keeps on doing more movies. And seeing him in James Bond, he's actually one of my one of the standouts for me, one of the reasons why I even want to see this movie too. But Daniel Craig is back, and like I said... It seems like he cares about the character again. He seems energized into this thing again. It feels like James Bond, but we're just going to have to find out if this is actually the Bond that we've been wanting from Spectre or if this is going to be the same performance as Spectre. Don't forget, this is only a two-minute uh, trailer. So I've seen good trailers and bad movies, and I've seen bad trailers to good movies. So it could vary, but... As for this, as, a, as an introduction to this final chapter of James Bond for this version of Daniel Craig, and he's retiring on a, this might be him retiring on a high note, I'm all for it. I'm can't, I can't wait to see this next year. This is actually my, probably going to be my most anticipated movies besides a couple of the comic book films that are coming out. But like I said, this is just something that I can't wait to see. I hope that you guys actually enjoy No Time to Die. I'm going to be doing a review, of course, on that whenever it does get released. But I'm sold. I'm totally sold on this trailer. So now I had one of my friends, well, one of my fans, ask me what my favorite James Bond movies are and villains are. Now, when it comes down to the actress playing Bond, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's Sean Connery, and then there's Daniel Craig, and then there's Pierce Brosnan. Those are my three Bonds. Those are the three Bonds that I love from the James Bond franchise. And not only that, but when you look at Pierce Brosnan, yes, he has that little bit of cheesiness to it and stuff like that. But GoldenEye is still one of my favorite movies uh, with James Bond. I had a lot of fun with GoldenEye. Not only that, but that was also the time when they actually changed up uh, the female lead in a way with the, with the Bond girl. Because the Bond girl actually calls him out on his crap where he's being a womanizer and everything. And it gives the character a chance to actually grow into somebody else. And I actually like that aspect to it where she calls him out on it and it changes the, the way that the character is actually perceived. And I like that. I like that about that movie. And I also like the fact, too, that who doesn't want to see an army tank going through the streets and blasting their way throughout Russia and everything. I really loved that movie not only that but even though this even though that uh the main antagonist in it was really good i the the action in it the plot line itself was good i really liked the like i said the motivation behind the main antagonist was really spot on and i don't want to give away any spoilers despite the fact it's been over 30 years since we actually got this movie but man you can't go wrong with this pierce brosnan movie because this Pierce Brosnan movie was just fantastic. I really had a lot of fun with it. And then, of course, we also have Tomorrow Never Dies. We have The World Is Not Enough. 
and then we then we have Daniel Craig's version, which is supposed to be the tougher, meaner, grittier James Bond than we normally got from Sean Connery, and also too with Pierce Brosnan. But if I had to pick out the two that I actually grew up with or grew attached to, yes, I love Sean Connery. Yes, I watched his films, but growing up in the nineties. And everything, I was attached to Pierce Brosnan. And then when I was in college, I got to see Casino Royale when I was a freshman in college. So seeing that version of James Bond, a more serious side, more grittier, more, he's supposed to be a lot more tougher. I really love that aspect that, and those layers that Daniel Craig gave to James Bond. And then only two, but he also developed feelings for the Bond girl. Which is something that I wasn't expecting from a James Bond movie. Like I said, maybe Goldeneye paved the way for them to be able to change that character up to where he actually gives a damn about the girl that he's with instead of just giving him another Bond girl or she winds up dying and then he goes, oh, well, I'll just go on ahead and go with another Bond girl. But no, they went on ahead. They gave him another, they gave him one Bond girl in this whole entire movie. And the way they did this, the motivation behind it and everything else just was fantastic. I'm always a sucker for things that happen in a casino for some reason, especially with heist jobs and stuff like that. And seeing a spy film in a casino makes me even more happier because I love seeing spy movies in a casino. I think it might be my Italian side showing up a little bit or whatever whenever it comes down to on that level, but... That's what I love about spy movies and everything is the fact that, you know, we have this this corruption going on within the casino. Something's happening. We don't know what it is, but James Bond's going to find out about it. And that's what I loved about Casino Royale. Skyfall had a lot of layers to it, especially when you look at the villain that was in, the, in that movie altogether. And Skyfall and Casino Royale are my two favorite ones. And Spectre, forget that movie. Because you can even... Like I said, you can even tell that he was actually done with this character. He really didn't care. Even the part where he's on the rooftops at the very beginning of that whole entire thing where it's... Where uh, the Mexican holiday where they actually worship death. And they're jumping through rooftops and it's like, okay, one hop, two hop, three hop, explosion. Okay, go down. And land on a car. Gets back up. And that's it. It's pretty much routine for him. There was no excitement. No motivation behind his character at all. You can really tell that he wasn't into it. Not only that. But but they gave Batista nothing to do. And I was expecting him to be the main antagonist. And that's what I really wanted. Was him to be the main antagonist. Even though he says he's not the strongest actor or whatever. But I feel like that if they gave him a little bit more to work with, he would have been a great main main antagonist. Sorry, I got a little bit tongue-tied. But I feel like this is actually one of those movies that was actually the least liked Bond films. And that's not a surprise, too, because every Bond film has one of those movies where there was least liked. So there's that. Then, now I'm going to talk about my favorite villain in the James Bond movie. And I only have one villain, and that villain is Jaws. Jaws was one of my favorite villains. Yes, I know he was, it was in that old school flavored James Bond time, 
But just seeing the sharp teeth, those razor teeth, and there was just something dark and gritty about Jaws that I haven't seen when I was a kid or anything like that. And I was just glued into his character, and it made me want to like his character because of who he is. And I was winding up rooting for Jaws rather than James Bond, which is actually kind of a shocker coming from a 11-year-old watching this film for the very first time. But Jaws is actually hands down one of my favorite villains when it comes down to James Bond villains. Now I'm going to talk about Tim Allen. And let me just say this. You know, I've been talking about racism a lot lately, and guess what? I'm going to be talking about that a lot more, because I feel like that I need to actually talk about it. And I really stand on those principles where white people shouldn't be saying the N-word. And he's mad at the fact that he can't say the N-word on The View. And my thought process is this. There's certain words that you don't say when you're white and everything. Despite anything else that you may believe or whatever... I never used the N-word before, never will. I don't like that word. I can't stand that word. I can't stand when people go, well, there's a difference between the N's and the black people. No, that's just like saying, let's, let's just use this for example. Let's say someone calls you a cracker and then, the, then, they want, then black people say, well, there's a difference between crackers and white people. No. It's just one person's, there's a crappy, there's a shitty person in everyone and everything. They're all this, people are all the same. Nobody is different from anybody else or anything. Everybody bleeds the same way. And to say that, oh, ends are, uh, there's a difference between ends and black people. No, no, no. You don't do that to people and then tear them down like that. There are shitty people and there are good people. There's no such, there's no in-between of that. Either you're a shitty person or you're not a shitty person. Pick your battles. That's what I'm trying to say. But to go ahead and put them in a different category, put people in a different category, and say that, they're no, you don't do that. And not only that, but like I mentioned before, what happens if black people wind up saying, well, there's a difference between crackers and white people? Which would mean that there's bad white people, so we're going to call them crackers. So, therefore, there's good white people, so we're just going to call them white people. No. You don't ever put them in separate... You don't ever put people in separate categories at all. And I can't stand when people do that. Because one, because we all believe the same. We all are have different personalities and stuff like that. But racism is taught. It's not something that you're born with. And for you to go around and saying the N-word because you think that you need to say the N-word? Heck no. Heck no, you don't need to say that word. I don't feel like I need to actually say that word. And another thing too is, there was somebody that I knew that was an upcoming independent rapper that I knew. And get this, he's a white rapper. And the guy who's actually helping him make his CD said even said this his producer said this and also his manager said this you never say the n-word on your music even though he had no intentions of saying it but it was the whole principle of the fact that there would be a huge backlash if he winded up saying it and he would actually lose his fans by saying that so therefore there's repercussions for saying that word so i like the fact that they called him out and said look I know that you're not thinking about 
saying that word, but we have to talk about it and address it anyways. And you cannot use that word in any kind of way in your music because of the fact that you're a white person using that word and that word was used thousands of years ago and it shouldn't be used from a white person's perspective. And there's some other views too where white people are thinking, well, maybe since black people are saying it to each other, it might be okay. No, 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 no. There's no in between. There's nothing like that. I don't agree with saying the word at all. I don't feel like the need to actually want to say the N-word. I never wanted to say the N-word to begin with. I'm not a racist person when it comes down to stuff like this. Just like the whole entire casting thing with what Michael B. Jordan wanted to be Superman and stuff like that. I've never been the type to actually say, no, he can't play that role because he's black or because he's Latino or because he is a different race or different nationality. I never was that kind of person, never will be that kind of person. I stand on truth. I stand on what I believe in. And I believe in treating people with the respect and dignity that they deserve, and they shouldn't be treated this way. People should not be treated this way at all. So that's my viewpoint on Tim Allen and everything. And this makes him look like a pompous jerk for even considering the fact that you know, that he wants to even say the N-word to begin with, and I don't know what he's thinking, if he's even thinking at all logically, because there's a lot of people that actually love his movies, and I love The Santa Claus, and I love a couple of other films that he's done, but this is actually going to make those fan bases disappear now because of the fact that with the controversy that's behind this thing now, because now people are going to consider him a racist, and for him to say that, yeah, he's a racist. For for thinking and apply and wanting to apply that on a TV show during the morning time again with a studio audience like that, no, you don't do that at all, Tim. I'm serious. You don't think before you actually talk. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Just shut up. Just don't do anything. But that's just how I was taught and raised. If you don't have not, anything nice to say, you don't say it at all. But now I'm going to move down to Stephen King's From a Buick 8 with Thomas Jane. Deadline reported this, by the way. And it takes place in Statler, Pennsylvania. The state police have shed, have actually hid this thing behind a shed at the barracks for over 20 years when the town in plague by strange and supernatural events, it turns out the Buick isn't what it seems to be. Now, when I was working at the library, which I don't recommend anybody do, but when I was in high school, I worked at a library, and I also worked at a video store, but I remember having to check this book back in, and I didn't even have a clue what this book was even about. I'm a huge Stephen King fan and stuff like that. I never really dug into what a Buick 8 was about. So I asked one of the librarians. I think she might have been drunk. I'm not sure. But I asked her. I said, what is From a Buick 8 about? She goes, oh, it's a sequel to Christine. I'm like, even I was plundering that. I'm like, really? So that's what it's about. And it seemed kind of odd, but I didn't question it or anything. I went on ahead, put it back on the shelf, and I should have checked it out that day, but I didn't. Don't forget, I'm also young and naive during that time, so I really didn't think about actually checking it out. But now it's one of those books that I really feel like I have to check out 
But I'm just hoping that this isn't like an alien kind of invasion type thing where the car is taking over or anything like that and is killing people. I hope it's not that kind of supernatural effect to it. I'm hoping that it is kind of like Christine in, in his own way without relating anything back to Christine and the way the car is. I'm hoping that this is just a car that kills people opposed to a car that changes people's attitudes and stuff like that for the love of the car that that person has. Because I would like to see that versus the same old cliche thing that we actually saw from Christine. Because it makes something, some aspects uh, kind of fresh versus something that we've already seen before. But I really thought that, you know, From a View of Gate might actually be a pretty good movie. And I'm glad that Thomas Jane's production company has actually wanted to take a chance on this Stephen King adaption. And it's been a long time since Thomas Jane has actually been... In a Stephen King movie, yes. Tom and Jane, Thomas Jane is actually going to be in this movie as well. And the last time we actually saw Thomas Jane in a Stephen King movie was The Mist. And we all knew what happened at the end of it whenever that ending happened. And it brought tears to my eyes on that ending because I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting a happy ending with this family trying to escape this town from those aliens. And then it winds up backfiring at the very end. And I was not expecting my uh, expecting at all. I my jaw dropped open when I saw that ending because I was not expecting it. And I know that the ending in the book is completely different. Yet again, I haven't read the book The Mist, but it's on one of my re- it's on my reading list to read that uh, to read the Buick from a Buick 8 and also to read The Mist. But aside from that, I'm excited that Thomas Jane's back in this movie. I'm excited about a Buick 8 being into an adap- adaption of with Stephen King. And I'm glad that we're getting Stephen King-based stuff again because for a while, they kind of put Stephen King's stuff on a back burner for a while. And now all of a sudden, it seems like ever since Stephen King's It came out, it's just been Stephen King stuff, Stephen King, Stephen King, Stephen King, nonstop. And I love that fact. And I'm not even fatigued of the fact that we're getting more Stephen King stuff. It makes me even more excited as a matter of fact, CBS All Access is going to have the Stan miniseries that's being rebooted. And Marilyn Manson's in it. He's doing the music for it. And I'm not going to be able to see that because I can't afford another streaming service. I've already got Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and Netflix. So that rules that out. But even if I can't see it, it still makes me excited as a Stephen King fan to be able to know that they're actually making certain shows, certain TV shows from a Stephen King's adaption adaptations so that's my whole entire take on the Buick 8 let me know what you guys think about it from a Buick 8 now I'm going to be talking about Jordan Vote. I think that's how you say his name but he just got done finishing his draft for Metal Gear Solid and I'm going to say this I remember playing it on PS1 when we actually had like a three disc set or maybe it was four disc and I remember playing that game and just falling in love with it. And the graphics for that time was ahead of its time. And now that I'm looking at it, whenever we did the whole entire flashback scene with one, with one of the games, I'm like, oh my god, I played this thing? I mean, the graphics looked horrible now compared to what they were back then. Back then, I thought this was the greatest game on earth. I thought the graphics were really good. It was really stand, a good standout. 
and everything because it's something new. It was something fresh that I haven't seen before. And I fell in love with the game. I fell in love with the heroes, the villains, the plot. And, you know, Liquid Snake and Middle and Solid Snake, those were my favorite heroes and villains. And, you know, I've played every single Metal Gear game ever since. And I'm in love with that franchise. And see that he's actually wanting to do this and he's passionate about it. Matter of fact, a couple of months or maybe last year, I remember reading an article where he said he was actually going to be doing it. And this is actually the first draft for that movie. It's been through a lot of changes, a lot of stuff. Trying to make this thing as perfect as it can be. And I'm glad that they're taking their time with it rather than rush it. Because if they wind up rushing it, it would wind up bombing really bad, I believe. Or we may not even care about a Metal Gear movie if it was rushed. But considering the fact that they are taking their time and also, too, the company that was behind Metal Gear is also behind them as well. And it's actually going to have that kind of feel to it, to Konami, I think that the name of the company was. But to see this on the screen, I'm going to be geeked out. I'm going to be stuffing popcorn in my face watching this movie on opening day. This has a good sci-fi feel to it. A good action, military-based film to it. It's going to be a really good movie once this thing is completed. I wouldn't mind it if they even put this as a Hulu show for originals or if they put this on HBO streaming service or anything like that too to just really get the layers out of these characters and understand these characters from a certain standpoint and then work on the middle gear itself. That would have been That would be awesome to see as well. But... I'm happy if we get a TV show or if we get a movie because I'm a diehard fan of this. As a matter of fact, I remember back in the 90s, I was thinking to myself, Kurt Russell would have been a perfect person to play Snake. Yes, I know he played in Escape from L.A. and Escape from New York, and he played Snake Bliskin. But I think that he would have actually been a good actor for Snake. But now, I'm thinking Joe Maganello would actually be a good choice for Snake. Because he can actually add those layers to those characters. He is a good actor. I really think that this would actually benefit him if he was attached to this film and everything. But this is just me doing a fan casting. Like me speculating on how I think that it would actually go down. But still, I'm excited to actually see and know that there's actually going to be a Metal Gear Solid movie. So that's what's going on with that. It's in this final draft. And of course... We're probably going to wind up getting it pretty soon, probably about 2023, probably, if that, if this thing is takes off pretty soon. So, tell me what you guys think about them making another, making a Metal Gear Solid movie. Because I know I'm excited as a diehard fan of it. I know some people are wary because, because video game based movies don't do so well at the box office. If you look at Assassin's Creed, Super Mario Brothers, and a couple of other ones. And, of course, we're getting a reboot of Mortal Kombat, which I can't wait to see that reboot. Because it has James Wan producing it. It's still going to have that horror feel to it. I can't wait to actually see this movie in its glory for a reboot. Especially with the special effects now that we have today. So that makes me even more excited to see this. But let me know what you guys think about the Metal Gear Solid. Now I'm going to move on to one of my friends asking me a question. Whenever he said it was like 90% of the time, Hollywood always is either remakes, reboots, or is book adaptations, or it's based off of true events. And there's no originality. 
And what's going on? Have they run out of ideas? It's not that they ran out of ideas. I know I addressed this a couple of times, but they didn't run out of ideas. You know how we tell Hollywood what we like? With our dollar. When we go on ahead and spend our money at the movie theaters, and we go and see that particular movie, and it winds up being successful, that's when they know that they have a home run, which turns into a franchise. And it's our own fault that certain movies turn into a franchise because they think that because you spent $15, $20 on this ticket, they, we want to see more of it if the movie is good. And, for example, Edge of Tomorrow, which is a one movie that was based off a graphic novel. And we fell in love with that movie, even though it wasn't a success at the box office. But word of mouth got around, and by the time word of mouth got around, it got shut. And pretty much I left the theater. But now they want to do a part two to this movie because of the positive word of mouth, because people love this movie and it turned into a cult classic, so now they want to go on ahead and make a part two to it. So that's another example of it being a sequel. But as far as originality goes, I have to say, I saw some good indie independent films. But here's the thing, it, and this is what I found out, because it actually happened to me, was this. If you see an independent, independent film, like the Peanut Butter Falcon, for example, which is a great movie with Shia LaBeouf and this Down Syndrome kid, and they're on this adventure to try and get the Down Syndrome kid to be a professional wrestler, to be trained by his hero. And that's the whole entire plot. And this movie costs little to nothing to make. And it was a fantastic film, but it was only available for a certain amount of time. Now, it was available at my movie theaters. But let's say, for example, that this independent movie was not available at your movie theater for you to see and check out. You can actually request them to show that movie. But you actually have to have a large amount of people that actually want to see that movie. So therefore, you might actually have to get your friends involved and stuff like that to want the movie theater to show that particular movie that you want to see. But the whole point is, we have to be the ones... To say, hey, look, I like these blockbusters, but can you show this independent film? It's gotten a lot of buzz at the independent film festivals and stuff like that. I would like to actually, ch- I would like to actually check it out in, at this mo- at y'all's movie theater, but it's not showing anywhere or anything like that. And I would like to actually have a chance to actually see this movie. Nine times out of ten, movie theaters will actually go ahead and put it out for like a limited time for people to check out, and then if it's a success, they'll actually keep it going for a little bit. Another thing, too, is original originality is not going away. It's just that they're focused on bigger stuff. For example, Marvel comic book movies and stuff like that. I'm a diehard sweaty when it comes down to Marvel movies, comic book movies, stuff like that. But sometimes I like to actually go outside my realm a little bit to where I'm not constantly watching a comic book-based movie. And, you know... I feel like big franchises like that are the reason why we're not getting that many movies like we used to get. And basically, we're already invested in about 50 films of the same, of these characters. So therefore, we feel safe because we're invested in these characters. We know what to expect from these characters. And here's this in, small independent film that nobody saw because they are afraid to take a chance on the movie not being any good because the trailers might not have sold them or anything like that. But I'm going to tell you this, go out and try and support your local 
indie films and everything because nine times out of ten you're probably gonna wind up loving the smaller films versus the big budget films. As a matter of fact, I interviewed a couple of small independent directors and actresses on my channel. There's one must survive. Is one of the movies that one of my um who's now one of my friends, which is actually an independent director, and you know. Look at that, for example. He's still editing his stuff and things like that. But it's getting some positive feedback from independent film festivals and stuff like that. And once he actually finalizes it and everything else, and we get to see the whole entire package, maybe you guys might get the chance to actually request that movie to your theaters, to your local theaters and everything, so that way they can, so we can go and see it. But, you know, if we, I was always taught this. If you don't do any talking and you just be quiet, you're not going to get anywhere. So my advice to you is stand out, request the movie, and hopefully your data will get it. Because a quiet mouth does not get get you anywhere. It gets you nothing. So that's my advice as far as that goes, as far as independent films go. Because indie films are the ones that are at... the thing is, with these franchises and stuff like that, this is why we're actually getting independent films over to Netflix versus into a bigger theater. And to me, that's not fair to independent films to actually go into a smaller screen when they could be going into the bigger screen. Which another leads me to another thing that I was talking about. Maybe Netflix might actually buy out a movie theater and just play Netflix movies and let it be a Netflix theater and it could be more beneficial towards Netflix. So that's my whole entire take on this whole entire thing with movies being original versus mo- movies that are remakes and reboots and stuff like that. If originality is fading away. So tell me what you guys think about that. Oh, and another thing too before I sign off on here. We are doing our season Christmas movie showdown. So get this. Home Alone beat out Krampus in round one. And now Home Alone's moving on to the next round. Now we have Tim Allen's. I know that I just said what I had to say about Tim. But, you know, it's Christmas time. Kids are not paying attention to all this stuff. We are. But we grew up on Tim Allen's 1993's uh, The Santa Claus. And... It's facing off against a Christmas story. So if you guys want to go on ahead and vote for that, you guys can. It ends for that round. It's going to go all the way through Wednesday, next Wednesday. So make sure you guys go on ahead and vote. Right now it's a very split. split. It's 23 to 23 right now. And I would like to actually see what, what movie is actually going to be the final bout. I want to see which person slugs out who first. So... Go on ahead, vote on that, and then on my 100th podcast episode, I'm going to be giving away digital codes for movies and stuff like that. Just a little thank you for supporting my podcast channel as well as supporting my movie page as well for all these years because I had the movie page open for five years and I had this podcast open since July and it's just been taken off ever since. So this is my little thank you. To you, the fans, and I want to do something special for my 100th episode. So, with further ado, if you love what you hear, share this with your friends. Share this with everybody. And, of course, go on ahead and 
if you want to send in a voicemail, please do so because I'd like to actually hear what you guys have to think. And also, too, if you have any questions regarding my podcast or anything like that, or if you want me to talk about a certain topic, send me out a voicemail and everything. I'll be glad to go on ahead and take a topic for that time for the next episode as well as a movie or tv related question as well so anyways until next time bye bye